Hello one, hello all. Welcome to this new episode of the All New 52 Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schirmer, and across the way from me is my co-host, Caleb Bunn. Howdy, howdy. And today, well, today, like all days, we talk about comics on this podcast. From comics new, to the old, to the new, but they look old. This is episode 59, and we're talking about X-Men Grand Design. Caleb, give me a little history on X-Men Grand Design. X-Men Grand Design is by Ed Pisker. He wrote and drew it. And it's a throwback comic. It is trying to streamline the original five X-Men's adventures um, back when Stanley and Jack Kirby started things off and then quickly handed it off and to the point where the book was canceled because uh, Silver Age X-Men, not good? I'm just going to go with it isn't. I, I've never read it, but yeah. you, you share that opinion with many others. It's not a hot take. Yeah, You sound yeah. fearful that it's a hot take. It's not. Well, I... I <laughs> I want to acknowledge that without the fans of the O five, we would have never gotten the Claremont stuff, right? Like Lynn Ween would have never rebooted it. That being said, there's a reason it got canceled and put into repeats yeah. for a decade. Yeah. But this is trying to streamline it and also tie it into the grander continuity. So it's You could say there's a grand, grand design. design. <laughs> You're quite right, Joe. <laughs> um, and I know that this was successful enough. It got another two issues that covered the Claremont years. And then the grand design title has been applied to at least the Hulk. I think, uh, I'm not sure if there's been a Fantastic Four one, but I know that at least the Hulk has gotten the grand design treatment as well. I think for a lot of those uh, early, early series, especially, yeah, Fantastic Four would probably be a great one to do this for where they weren't so much worried with continuity and there wasn't stuff to like throw back to. I think it is a good idea to maybe streamline it a little bit. There's some goofy moments in, in terms of the streamlining. Oh yeah, very much so. Very much this, you could have told me and you kind of did. I was confused when you explained to me what it was uh, last week. You could have told me that they were like, we're going to try to piece together these panels somehow and make sense of this. And it looks like that's almost what they did. It is, yeah. <laughs> Let me try to give a synopsis as much as I can. And then we can get into the art. When Caleb says streamlined. Yeah, the, there was no overarching story. Every week was basically them trying to figure out what to do with the X-Men mm-hmm. back in the day or every month. And so um, this does take a lot from the backstories of Professor X and Magneto to get going. Um, and so you see a lot of familiar stuff. You see Magneto in the concentration camps. You see Professor X uh, in Israel with Amanda Holler. You see all this stuff kind of play out as it would be revealed, not in the Silver Age, but later. And then it introduces the X-Men and then just kind of boom, 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 speeds runs them through. Here, here are all the big villains that were in the, in the 60s. Here are like the two memorable stories Here's how like Banshee and Polaris fit into all this. And also, let's throw in a little bit. Hey, guess what? The Hellfire Club's over here doing their thing. The Wright's over here building Sentinels. Hey, also, the Phoenix is here. Hey, also, Krakoa. Krakoa is... Krakoa existed. Krakoa was where the X-Men go in all new, all different X-Men. Oh, really? Yeah, in Giant Size number one, the new team gets formed because the old team went to Krakoa and then got trapped there. Oh. Um, but Krakoa, as it is nowadays, is not in this at all. Okay. <laughs> they, they, at the very end, there's a, 
extremely goofy panel of uh, Professor X like in a coma. He's like, Krakoa. And I was like, wow, that is the sloppiest way you could tie that into modern day stuff. Yeah, Krakoa is weird because it was originally like, ah, oh, it's an island he mutated and it's evil. And nowadays it's like, no, it's just a mutant like everyone else. And it's, it's an island, but it's been around for like all of time and stuff. They've definitely reworked Krakoa a lot. So it's comics. Yeah, <laughs> it's... And you definitely it's see expected. You see the reworking here, and some of these retcons work, and some of them don't. Caleb, I'm going to break it to you. This whole comic is a rework. So. Oh, oh yes, 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 <laughs> very much so. But it also ignores or like came before certain retcons. So this came before the Moira X retcon. So yeah. Moira McTaggart's just there being chill. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. I, I was wondering because there's it looks. It looks like an old comic at certain points. There's certain points that are very modern looking. But even to, they dyed the pages yellow to give it a yellow look. And everything looks like it's been sitting out of a sleeve for like 50 years in an attic. Yes, it is. It's printed on newspaper texture. Yeah. It, they reprint X-Men number one at the end with, uh, with Ed Pisker redoing the colors. And it looks like Kirby's art. Kirby's inks and Pisker's inks go right hand in hand. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. I think it works pretty well in this and it's fun to see some of those designs carry over. I also feel like Pisker's a bit tongue in cheek with how he designs people, especially in their hair. Like these characters' hair is very caricaturish in very fun ways. That's kind of just the 60s style and like the, these early X-Men style. I mean, we're, we're already talking about the art, so why not move into our little section about it? No, he's doing a really good job of emulating that style, which I think can be hard without just making it hideous. Yes. Which it does get into the very messy layouts of the 60s style a lot, which I have a problem with, but I assume it's intentional. Well, what what is your problem with the layouts? Because the layouts are interesting here. See, I think the layouts have something to do with how quickly they're running through the story. Because you know you expect a little continuity from page to page, and uh, there's a there's a lack of continuity within the story in terms of we're just we're just jumping from place to place at a certain point. So the layouts just can go like it's bam bam bam. There's not a lot of sense of continuity in between panels just because they're going to different locations every other panel. I think that's very fair. That's, and they're also just, they'll overcrowd the panels when need be. I mean, that, that just happened all the times. If you've ever seen a 60s or 70s comic, they, they all, that house style is notorious for a lot of stuff in it. Very bright and colorful and not a lot of, uh, it's stuff I'm realizing, like as I'm saying it, like they, they don't do an amazing job of making sure characters stand out in the background. There's not a lot of like intense shading to uh, really make someone pop or, you know, lighter colors on the yeah, stuff in the foreground, which, darker colors. And it's all the same, like flat colors. Yeah. Because they only had four colors to print with. Yeah. And did they really, I knew they was a limited amount. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. that few. It was, it was four colors and they could blend the colors. Okay. But even then that only makes a certain amount of gradients. Yeah. To use. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, why Jack Kirby would start using photos and making his collage art mm. in the Fantastic Four and stuff. I feel like the sh I, th I feel like the layouts are the weakest part of this art. I feel like there are two strong suits. One is that taking from Kirby, he has very dynamic poses of action. Yes. Um, and like there's this great panel of Juggernaut like jumping out of the panel, 
that is really fun to look at. The other one is that I really like how he uses white here. Because like you said, the pages have been yellowed, but occasionally he'll use true white to emphasize like someone's powers. Mm-hmm. And Iceman's like always pure white. Magneto, when he like uses his magnetism, it's all white. Their hair. Yeah. The white the people with white hair. It's so it's like this really like stark, shocking thing when it happens on page. And it's really cool to look at. Visually, I I just love the aesthetics of this book. Yeah, it's a good aesthetic. If you like if you don't like the 60s style, like you're you're gonna hate this. I know a lot of people who can't stand that old style, but I am I'm a fan of it. Yeah. I think I think the style that's the hardest for me to look at is the 90s style. Yes, that, I would agree. I think that's where art got real house style got really ugly. The 60 60 style has a like a charming personality to it. Yeah, and 60s style is so weird too because there were two at least with Marvel, there were two driving forces. There was Kirby and there was Ditko because those two people, Stanley left alone. Everyone else, he just told to draw like Kirby. And so, like, you get a lot of Kirby clones in the 60s, unless you go over to DC. This fixes the thing I think 60s had the hardest thing with, which is same face syndrome, where everybody's faces are different here. They're just as hideous as they were in the 60s, but, but they're different. Yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> I think that's where he's being tongue-in-cheek, yeah. like they're played up. And especially little Xavier is so funny. Like, Will Xavier, bald, arched eyebrows, same exact face, just slightly smaller head and smaller body. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't look at uh, the cover of this too much before, and I didn't realize Mister Pisker did the art and the story, or doing the story is like a loose term here. But oh, I mean, he's he's doing a lot of legwork. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it's. He, he's entirely uh, bridging it, but. Definitely not the original concept or anything like that. Yeah. But no, I expected much worse from what I thought it was. I Yeah, I really enjoyed that. My main, my main thing is the layouts, though. Those layouts are really hard to follow at certain points. Yeah, and I think that's a nature... Like, that is the downside of him sticking to this format. I think it's a combination of the format and the sense that it is two issues. <laughs> well, and that's the... I, see, that's when we get into story problems. Yeah. Um, which I guess we can save till negatives. Mm-hmm. Um. But do you have any positives? This is interesting. Uh, on on our second to last episode, the one Caleb's last pick, Monkey King, I, I talked about how there was like absolutely nothing there for me to care about, and I'm kind of on the same fence here, but just from a much more positive angle. Like this is the same length of Monkey King or uh, Monkey Prince in terms of pages, but I feel like there's a billion more things going on here because there are. Yes, there's so much going on which here, which detracts from how much I can talk about positives because there's not really enough for me to latch on to. But at the same time, I'm enjoying the ride that I'm having. Yeah. This is not a traditional 22-page story. No. This is like a lecture, kind of, but like kind of an entertaining one. It's a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. The framing story is the watcher. Yeah. Like talking to his recorder and like explaining all of this. And 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 in that sense, it does a great job in hitting all the major beats. You know, all the, I would say the strongest stuff here is Professor X's backstory. It's a great Wikipedia article. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's value in that. Like, yeah. and as someone who personally, I will just, I've tried, I will never get through all the issues of, of the Silver Age X-Men stuff, even though I love the X-Men. I still like being able to go back to this. And I love how much Pisker knows about not just X-Men history, but also just Marvel history. 
like this gets into the Human Torch versus Namor, which was the first crossover between any Marvel characters. Back then, they would be timely characters. Um, but, bef- you know, before, you know, even Stanley was hired, these characters were doing things together. Um, and so he ties that into the story here. And then it does make sense that all these alien villains that the X-Men face, well, let's tie those into they know about the Phoenix and they know the Phoenix is coming to Earth. I like how it starts to connect things with like the right and the Hellfire Club, these organizations that when they're introduced later have been around for forever. But of course, since they hadn't been in comics before, you start to kind of like, wait, but what were they doing during this event? Yeah, that's 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 the big positive here is this is a great sweeping cleanup. Of, yes. Let me try to organize this. Let me do my best that I can possibly do. And so I, I have fun with that. And I have fun with the little matches. You see Rogue here as a little kid at one point. You see Legion and his... <laughs> Just really silly. We're just dropping him in, but it's fun. And so I like I like that there are little things. I would say the only part that feels like a real story is the Professor X stuff at the beginning. Yeah. It 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 quickly become goes from I'm exploring exploring Disneyland to I'm being taken on a tour. Yeah. Through it. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I I don't even want to call that like a negative. Because th- this book isn't like setting out to be this giant retcon it's setting out to be a cleanup yeah yeah and it is it is succeeding at what it's trying to do the real question just is how much does this land for them yeah and are we, are we done with positives i think so because i can i can segue that a little bit into negatives at a certain point i was like grazing <laughs> on the pages i'm just like okay yeah i'm following it and like the text is becoming more and more yeah yeah uh not quite on bendis levels of detracting from the art but multiple panels on a page are just full of text boxes instead of like word bubbles. And I'm like, okay, I get the gist of what's going on here. Not to say it's not working, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a Wikipedia article that got made into a comic. Yeah. No, I, I feel like the weakest parts of this are also the weakest parts of the silver age story. <laughs> like once, once professor, turd. once professor X goes into, into fakes his death and goes into hiding, like sure, Ed Pisker makes like does some retconny stuff there to make it make more sense, but it's still not the best part of the story. Like it, then it gets super repetitive, and then just the more stuff he tries to put in, the more bloated it can feel. Especially oh, quickly, at two it quickly issues. becomes all right. Someone else showing up. Page later. All right. Someone else is showing up. All right. Someone else is showing up. Yeah, and like I feel like I I definitely want to see all like the original members of the Brotherhood. I want to see. Um, all this stuff that he adds in with like Mastermind's uh, relationship with Gene. But like, do we really need to waste one of your very valuable panels on Count Nefaria showing up? Like, can we not cut some of these people? <laughs> Especially because it doesn't include everything. Like, we never get to the Sunfire issue. So like, I, I'm just, I definitely think there is some stuff he could cut down a little bit. I don't know. He cut so much already. <laughs> like, there's so much that's cut and just like, clip, clip, clip. Let's make a slideshow out of it. Yeah, I think I've harped. I've said harped is it not being the right word. I think I've said my negatives just in other sections, really, of like, yeah, the layouts are pretty bad. The story is a PowerPoint presentation. There's not much like of like an emotional attachment to anything here. It's it's setting out to give you a quick and easy history of Silver Age X-Men. And it's succeeding at that. So I, I don't know that I can go too more into it. 
Mike, uh, I have I raise a question to you, Caleb. Mm-hmm. What would you do to perhaps fix some of these issues with it? Oh, man, I don't think there is fixing it at a certain point. Because I, I, I think extending this into maybe four or five issues would alleviate a lot of the repetitiveness that this this second issue especially hits. It's tough because from an editorial p- position, I think this was a risk no matter what. Yeah. Um, so I think two issues is what you'll get the collectors to definitely buy and then hopefully other people jump on board. I think extending this a little bit further, even though I think it would be good. Like I, we've been kind of negative on this, but I do think overall this works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even though it would be good, I think that'd be kind of a risk. I, I, with me, I think the thing you have to do, which is the thing Ed Pisker is trying not to do, is you have to completely change some stuff about 60s X-Men. And yeah, you have to well, completely, I, I wouldn't want that either. Yeah, you have to completely cut some things out. That goes from being a retelling to an alternate universe. It, it starts, it turns into the new 52. Yeah. Um, which isn't what he's trying to do here. Uh, I, but I think extending it is probably the way to go. And then extending it and then maybe balancing the beginning a little bit more, pacing it a little bit differently. Uh, start introducing the X-Men a little bit earlier on. See, the first issue is the one I have the least problems with because it does it does feel a lot better paced. It, feel, well, it, it feels like a normal issue of a comic book as opposed to the free comic book day issue that is issue number two. Well, yeah, because that is that is the origin stuff. We're getting the origin of of Professor X and Magneto and then Scott and Gene yeah. and then to a lesser extent, the other three. Um, but I, I do think there is if you pull that stuff a little bit earlier, then you can spread out like the alien master subplot mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which is the stuff that you're kind of doomed because that stuff isn't exactly good stories to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to say because I really do think that Ed Pisker, did, did, he's done as good of a job as he can do. Yeah. And he clearly cares about Silver Age X-Men more than I do. So, And my second question I raise is they have used this grand design name for others. What would you want to be grand designed well so hmm which leads into a third question but i think this gets into something i want to ask you too which is grand design versus life story okay i was going into the life story aspect because i'm thinking about it and i think part of the reason we haven't gotten fantastic four grand design yet is because life story is going on right now but i'm like which characters are better suited for this and which characters are better suited for life story? I think this, I think grand design is a team thing. I was about and to say so, the only other thing I could see grand design really working for is like an Avengers thing. The, if we did, if I had to pick a solo character, it would be Thor. I feel like you could probably yeah, that could do work Thor. with Thor. Yeah. Um, people who have had like one or two big creative influences, like Thor with Simonson and Aaron and then X-Men with Claremont, I feel like that helps out a lot more. Um, I wouldn't want to see a Spider-Man grand design. No, um, I don't think Spider-Man's already got like a pretty like streamlined history. Like, sure, there's a lot of filler in between. Yeah. But like it's not like X-Men where there's so much like retconning happening constantly. Yeah. Like there's retcon happening, don't get me wrong, but like it's 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 fairly linear. Most Marvel superheroes have not had as weird of a history as the X-Men have. Yeah. Because not, very few of them had the like B-comic decade off biggest thing ever, which was X-Men's progression and then falling into, oh no, what are we going to do? These are char- popular characters, but we have no di- direction for them. I got another one. 
don't know anything about this team and, or any, I don't know anything about them. I feel like a grand design Eternals could probably work. Yeah. And you know, I wonder, I wonder, cause I've heard really good things about Karen Gillen's Eternals. I wonder how much of his run on that is kind of patching up their history and stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, it, the other one I would like to see is if they go back really far and they do, um, like they do a Namor one. Like you bring back some like of this, a really D tier character. Yeah. Well, just super old characters. Um, you couldn't do that with the original Human Torch because he's been dead forever. <laughs> so, like, you couldn't do that. But doing a Namor one, um, or even just, and I don't even know any other Marvel superheroes from back then. But yeah, that, that, those would be the ones I would go for. Namor, Thor, the Avengers. Mm -hmm. I think Eternals is a good pick. And then you brought up Life Story. Now, we've only read one of each. Which do you think works better? And they're they're very different. Yeah. But but they're kind of doing the same thing. I mean, I like... Life Story versus Grand Design. I like Life Story more. um, Spider-Man Life Story specifically. You have a lot more to work with. But it's one character. Yeah. Uh, I don't think an X-Men life story would be as good. Mm-hmm. You would have to you'd have to bring it down to like Cyclops life story or Storm life story. Uh which I don't think would be a bad idea. But I I just there's so much emotional weight to life story. Yeah. And like it really understands that character. In a way, we're sure X-Men Grand Design really understands continuity, but it never actually really gives time to focus in on the mission of the X-Men. No, it's not. There's not a lot of <laughs> The the ever present metaphor is not really present in this one. Well, you see it, but like that's it. Yeah, you don't you don't get into the heads of the characters, which isn't what Pisker's trying to do. No. Like it ultimately comes down to lore versus emotional story. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think life story is definitely the better pick. Now, if you want to get into the idea of like laying out in a retro style the past, like it does here, versus you tell it every decade. There are definitely some characters where I think the every decade gimmick would get a little old. Yeah, I'm not so much looking into the every decade thing. I was more so comparing the two based on life story is getting a lot of plot lines. Yes. In oh. that sense, life story wins out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I got I got big life story vibes from this, even though like it's not doing a total alternate telling of stuff. But yeah, and I think that's Marvel does this kind of thing because they're not going to read Marvel. I don't want to say they're never going to reboot, but I don't know. They've had like four times where I thought they were about to and they haven't. It's, so I'm going to take major corporation shake up. Yeah. Yeah. For that to happen. Um, and personally, I'm happy about that because I'd rather get life stories and grand designs than, you know, a, new a, number ones. Yeah. Every 10 years. Don't worry. We're there every four years right now. Well, I think, I think if that, I think DC is at a, they're at a strong point right now. They don't need to reboot. <laughs> we'll see. He hasn't rebooted in a hot minute. Well, they were going to with 5G and then they backed out. Yeah, good. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what would you recommend for Grand Design people? If we're talking about throwbacks to retro comics, the best you're going to get is, um, is Justice League New Frontier. That is an amazing book, an amazing story overall. The art, is um, definitely filling into that retro style, the simple page layouts and stuff like that. I think it works a little bit better there. 
Um, that's my favorite Justice League story. And I think it also ties into like, oh, we're not just going to throw back to like the 50s for no reason. We're going to throw back and like then actually tell a story in the mm-hmm. 50s. Um, so yeah, but if you're in, if you liked Grand Design and you want another retro, you can't get better than Darwin Cook. Um, like I've said, if you like the whole like simplifying, changing up some lore stuff, I think Spider-Man Life Story is a great comic. Uh, you know, similar to this in some ways, very different in others. I also think if you're just looking for a good X-Men book, that's a good team book. God loves man kills is hard to beat. I yeah no that's that is so such a good jumping on point. It's of similar length. It's kind of it's you know different team, but it's the same gist. Yeah. Well, and I I guess adding on to that there is a there is a grand design two that focuses on the claremont years i haven't read it i'd be very interested to see since that one has a much cleaner continuity Mm -hmm. less retcons i'd be interested to see that um and there's also a first class series which takes the stories of the um of the 60s x-men and updates them uh, I forget who wrote those, but those that also came out, I think, a little bit before this and was another attempt to make a jumping on point for people to understand those characters. Good stuff. Would you like to see what I have next week? I for would you? love to see what you have next week for me. Uh, you gave me the biggest book that we've experienced, yet also small in terms of actual content. It, yes. Big in size, not in page. <laughs> yes. It's a tall boy. We're going we're to stick in the small uh, in terms of content. For this next one. Okay. Oh, you've been talking about a single issue episode. Yes. So you're giving me, is this the only issue of this? That is out, yes. Okay. This is God Slap. Yes. Which I've heard about. You have? Yes. I've heard the name. Okay. Um, and a little bit of like general reactions to it. I don't know anything else. Okay, we'll we'll keep it for that and discuss okay. it on the next episode. Uh, this is about as independent as you can get. <laughs> yeah, Meteor Productions uh, did this, and the creative team is not even on the cover. No, there's not a price on the cover either. This no, is you wild. can only get it direct. <laughs> this is crazy. It does say issue one, so I wonder if there's supposed to be more. But... There are, there are. Okay. It, it, it definitely leaves off. It, it's it's two issues in one. It's it's a it's a forty eight page issue. Okay, I'm um, excited. So yeah, we'll be we'll be talking about that next week. If you liked what you heard this week about X-Men Grand Design, you can rate us on the podcast platform that you're listening to this right on. Why did I say it like that? Who knows? (laughs) Joe, it was in the Grand Design that you would say it that way. (laughs) Five stars gets us up in the charts. We can get more people joining on the comic book fun. And you can email us at allnew52podcasts at gmail.com with your reviews and recommendations. We love feedback. We love recommendations. So get on that. We'll be back hitting you next week slapping you across the face with a god slap. See ya.